welcome to today's episode. We're going to be delving into the premiere of Season 4 of Fargo, appropriately titled, Welcome to the Alternate Economy. Did you know it's been three years since the last episode of Fargo has aired? The last episode aired in 2017. 2017. I believe April is when it first came out and it ended in June. When did the show start? Altogether? Yeah. 2014. Um, In the interim, since the last season, uh, Noah Hawley, the show's creator, has released the final two seasons of his other hit series, Legion, along with churning out the box office bomb, Lucy in the Sky. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, you can't win them all. Um, the pandemic also pushed this series back half a year. It was originally supposed to come out in April. The nice thing of having an anthology series like True Detective is at least people weren't waiting on some sort of resolution. Uh, it also means that new fans can jump in, although the viewership has been declining as the show has continued. Uh, was it like a major hit at first? It's continued to be a major hit. It just doesn't have the same numbers it used to. Um, I feel like you're going to have an interesting perspective on this episode. You haven't watched any of the previous seasons of Fargo, but you've seen the movie. Mm-hmm. And then what other Coen Brother works are you familiar with? Uh, oh, Brother, Where Art Thou, Burn After Reading, No Country for Old Men, Raising Arizona, Big Lebowski. So, like, the big ones, basically. Have you ever seen Miller's Crossing? Uh, no. Okay, well, that's the one that this one's, this season is compared to, mostly. Uh, it dealt with the Prohibition era, so it was about 30 years prior mm-hmm. in setting. But it was definitely a gangster noir which this season follows two families, right? Yeah, it follows actually a couple, but, like, mainly two families. Mm-hmm. In the 1950s storyline, we're down to two families. Right, yeah. Yeah. But this this is a weird episode because, first off, it has a 23-minute opening, but second off, in that opening, you get uh, flashbacks to the 1900s, the 1920s, uh, 1928, 1934, and 1949. So there's a lot of dates thrown at you right at the, bo- the start of the thing. Yeah. I just wanted to mention, in Miller's Crossing, the Coen brothers actually had writer's block. And so what they ended up doing was staying in St. Paul, Minnesota, which is the um, area in which a lot of the Fargo series has taken place. Yeah, and even a character named Miss Mayflower is uh, from Minnesota. Yes, we'll definitely talk about her. But St. Paul, Minnesota was actually featured in the Fargo series because it's one of the Twin Cities. It wasn't actually filmed there, but it's definitely been talked about in almost every season. Uh, plenty of homage has been paid out to the series, through the series, to all the Cohen works beforehand. Were you able to spot any? Because you mentioned the 23-minute intro. Mm-hmm. Did that remind you of anything? No. Uh, some fans realized that Raising Arizona had the same thing going with the title card only appearing after 23 minutes. Oh, okay. Yeah. There's also mention of a cattle prod or a cattle gun that's used in the show. I'm not sure if it's the first or second episode. I know you didn't see the second episode, but it's used to slaughter uh, the cattle. Yeah, and... I, I didn't see it in the first episode. Okay, so it must be in the second one. So obviously, No Country for Old Men. Uh, you had this compared to The Untouchables, Barton Fink, which is another Cohen. Uh, masterpiece. Yeah, I can definitely. <laughs> I haven't seen those, but I can definitely see the comparisons, especially with the um, mob storyline. Yeah, Godfather. Mm-hmm, yeah, and then the Wizard of Oz because of the black and white color shift. Yeah, they mentioned it. They literally mentioned the Wizard of Oz in the episode. Itself. Isn't someone reading the Wizard of Oz at some point? Well, the dad of um, the main character, who is Ethel Rita in the 1950s storyline, is like, I can read you the Wizard of Oz. Like, yeah, because that's one of the oldest books that you can really think of. Just, yeah. Yeah. 
I remember that was also in the U series. I think he stole one of them before he murdered <laughs> the friend Wizard or something. <laughs> yeah, because he's like a book collector. Another series this has been compared to recently that came out is Lovecraft Country. Uh, it's music, the way that it's infused sort of like aggressively. Yeah. 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 So the person who controls the music in this one also did the music from Umbrella Academy. Their name is Jeff Russo. And in this episode, you have something interesting where I think Caravan is continually played yeah. throughout the opening sequence. So this show eventually deals with the Italian group, the Fadas. Like, that's the name of the family. Mm-hmm. You have Donatello, Josto Fada. And then they have this upstart operation run by an African-American crime family that's the Cannons, right? Yeah. And so that's where we eventually get to after the opening. But let's get into the prologue here. Like, that's the meat of the beginning, and there's a dense amount of history. So in the most concise way, and you can even leave out a ton of parts if you want, try to just limit it down to what's going on. Okay, so we start off in the 1900s when there's kind of this uh, Jewish mob called the Moskowitz Syndicate, uh, led by Liev Moskowitz. And um, then we kind of see that they're running this bar, and uh, you're supposed to kind of get that they're also running the town. And then in 1920, uh, these people called... The town being Kansas City. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, we get um, another mob that comes across in the 1920s called the Milligan Concern, and that's run by Oni Milligan. And they're Irish. Yes, they're Irish. And these two people, um, they don't exactly want to fight, but they're not, like, friendly either. So what they do is they decide to trade offspring, which was Mm kind of odd. But uh, the thought behind that was that if um, both of them kind of grew uh, an allegiance to like one another's son then they then they'd understand what they were going through and hopefully that would cause peace however um it was it's reminds me of like back in the olden empire times when people would try to marry into families to kind of create a union between kingdoms instead of starting wars it's almost entirely like that but what ends up happening is that the milligan concerns uh son when they're older decides to help them instead of the moskowitz syndicate who is the person that they've he's grown up with and they end up turning on them and the milligan concern end up taking over yeah the irish basically murder out all the jews yeah that was it that was just got like screwed over here i think that was in the first six minutes so that was like pretty shocking and then we get um the fada family later on which happens in like uh the 19 and the fathers uh, aren't irish they're italian yeah they're italian and again they try to trade offspring (laughs) which like you think (laughs) fool me once but i guess the um fathers wouldn't be aware of what the milligans had done to the jews right? right they were just like coming there to be like okay let's see if we can cause peace however this time it turns out that the fada family got the upper hand um because the uh milligan concern were then uh like flipped so, on again so the way i was reading it is basically that the same kid who had been turned over to the jews and who had backstabbed or trojan horse them and let the milligans come in and massacre them they trade him away again but this time to the Fadas, hoping that they're going to do the same thing to them. Right, and there was a really interesting scene where I believe it was the Fadas were like going to, it looked like they were going to trade a younger kid, but then right before... Well, it's supposed to be your firstborn. Right, but right before they did that, they ended up trading an older person. You could see that the older person was mad that they were being traded. Well, the older person was the same person Mm -hmm. who had betrayed the Moskowitz. Right, exactly. So that guy gets kept trading people, uh, betraying people. Well, his father, yeah, he 
he kept on doing that. But part of the reason is I think he was forced to like murder his counterpart yeah. in the first edition of this. And I guess he kind of held a resentment. And then when he was expected to do it again, he was like, he pulled kind of a Jamie Lannister. Yeah, and was like, no. And so therefore the Fada family came to power. Yeah, well, um, he basically murdered off his own family. He was the last mm-hmm. of the Milligans now, but he's now sort of adopted into the Fada residence. And his name now is what? Uh, it's Rabbi. Um, he took he took Rabbi as being Jewish because of his connection throughout all three families. But then in the 1949, what we get is Lloyd Cannon and his group decide to meet with the Fada family, and they're kind of going to do the same thing, where they're going to try and find peace. However, you know, just like the rest of the story, we realize later on in the episode, Lloyd Cannon is planning on turning on the Fada family because they're not exactly. Yeah, and Lloyd Cannon is played by uh, Chris Rock. Chris Rock. He's the most famous one heading into this series he's been on a bunch of interviews he was almost i mean obviously i could tell it was chris rock but in terms of his performance i've never seen him in a performance like this because he was supposed to be really really dramatic malicious and stuff and yeah he did a good job in that role yeah so i just wanted to touch upon the idea of having like these full massacres of these gangs if you remember in breaking bad in the last season you had that one gang that was basically holding Jesse Pinkman hostage. Yeah. And then you have, it was Todd's gang. Uh, shout out to uh, Jesse Plemons. <laughs> um, and uh, and Walt just comes in there and takes them all out. Yeah, with the gun was that Was that car. something similar that you saw here? Was it just that gruesome murder? Yeah, basically. I mean, when you, you saw see... that three times in, or twice, twice in, a row. in a row. And yeah, when you see like just them getting shot, it's done in such like a weird aesthetic. But yeah, it was brutal, but it was really like cool. Was it effective? Yeah, it was very effective, especially when like you don't actually see um Liev Moskowitz die like you just kind of see his was body was sad yeah I mean a little bit but you know you don't really get to know the characters within that much time frame so. there are a lot of characters in this show and we yeah. can't touch upon all of them yeah we'll we'll go over some though we have the two headliners of course you have Chris Rock as Lloyd Cannon and Jason Schwartzman as Joss Fada. yeah I really but, like Jason Schwartzman yeah oh really yeah. okay because there's been some mixed reception as to how he's played the character sort of a Wes Anderson-ish yeah way. I think I think his character is either kind of like you love him or you hate him type of thing because like he definitely puts all into his performance so it's like you're either going to be into that or not yeah and i think you've actually seen sort of characters like him in season two but you wouldn't have um i'm going to ask you about someone else though to start Mm -hmm. with i saw a lot of praise going to jesse buckley's performance as nurse orate Orietta um, Mayflower? Yeah, she was she was really good in the uh, television show. She played a weird character. Do, well, first of all, do you know where you've seen her before? Uh, no. Okay, she was the um, the wife in Chernobyl, the one who was married to the firefighter with oh, the baby right, right, who right, right, passed right. away as well. Yeah, 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 I remember that. Yeah, so she's been, and she was also in, sorry, I wanted to get the name of the thing right. Um, I'm thinking of Ending Things, that new Netflix movie that just came out. Again, shout out to Jesse Plemons. Um, so you, you said you thought her character was weird. Yeah, she reminded me a lot of kind of the Kingsman 2 character, which I know you never saw, where she was like a really happy but like evil character. Okay, but you just saw a show with Ratched where you had an evil nurse. Mm-hmm, yeah. How much was that in comparison with this? Like oh, was, it wasn't in that much comparison because she is a nurse in this uh, show, but like... And what what does she end up doing? She ends up killing the big mob boss of the Fada family. Donatello, right? Yeah, and uh, Jason Schwartzman is obviously going to have some things to say about that because he's the son of Donatello. And well, there's, there's one part of the show I didn't like because uh, after she kills him, like the big mob boss, she takes his ring 
And I'm like, that's just going to be set up for Jason Schwartzman's character. I think his name was Jossie or something. Like, to, to see that and be like, oh, she killed him, like, later on. So yeah, I go, well, I, I don't know if she was trying to keep it a secret. The thing is, we don't know what her motivation is. Or I was going to ask, could you figure it out? Because a lot of people were just like, where is this character coming from? She seems really evil she, but also like she's she's not afraid of the mob no no not at all like she, she's really crazy and i couldn't figure out any motivation but i'm interested to see where her story goes okay the other person that she was compared to was the lizzie capon character in castle rock um i she's also someone who murders people just randomly and she also played a nurse i, I do want to ask though something because like fargo obviously the movie is different than the tv show what like what's the comparison there do you know what do you mean like, in the movie, it's William H. Macy playing, like, someone who pays to kill his wife. And here, I, I imagine the first four seasons, it's like, it doesn't have anything to do with that storyline. Yeah, so I was going to ask you later on if you saw a connection between the film. Did the tone at least resonate a little bit Fargo-esque? Uh, somewhat. There was definitely dark humor in um, the movie. And there was some dark humor in this episode. Like, for example, Donatello. Um, he like is a, you feel like he's about to die and then like it turns. What do you up. mean by feel like he's about to die? So there, I think I know what scene you're talking. Yeah, about. there was this weird scene where they were stuck in this like traffic jam because someone with the stop sign came out and was letting people pass. Yeah, and you see uh, two African American men and you think to yourself, oh, they might be in Lloyd Cannon's uh, game. Yeah, yeah, and you're like, something might happen here, and. Uh, Fauna family is Did, like like the music pump yeah up music and everything? was pumping up yeah, and yeah, like yeah. they came out of the car and they like had their guns behind their backs just to see if anything was going on well it turns out that those two african-american men weren't like doing anything they just kind of pass um what does that say about you yeah no, no, no. thought that no, i'm just kidding no no <laughs> actually that scene though i felt like that's what they were kind of trying to prove a little bit mm-hmm. um but then the uh the main boss like starts to like really like breathe hard and everyone's like having a stroke or something yeah and i thought he was having a heart attack and jason oh, okay. sportsman is even like punching his shirt and stuff like whoa hops like what are you doing and then, and then he like lets out a giant fart and that was just supposed to be like the joke yeah. and right after he does that a kid accidentally hits him with a bb gun and it hits his neck and they have to rush him to a hospital because blood starts pouring out so there's definitely like dark twisted humor but it's definitely not the same story or anything now the fart thing is kind of crazy yeah and it, but what, did did you laugh i mean i laughed but it, it's absurd it was so absurd like it came yeah. out of absolutely nowhere how about the kid shooting the bb gun now did the bb gun have a little orange thing on it oh yeah it did see i actually read a comment that said they don't think that those orange things existed back in the 50s oh that could be the back then it was the 80s so that was actually it might be a mistake for the show maybe i don't know but at the same time it's it the bullet goes through his neck or whatever Mm -hmm. and then he's rushed to the hospital what happens when he's at the hospital well they go originally to this private hospital but then um these like american doctors come out and are like we're only here to help americans like you guys have to go to this different hospital and jason so so you got some racism going on yeah definitely and even jason schwartzman's character is like okay let's hurt them and then they're like guys we have to take donatello to a real hospital so they go to the hospital that the american doctors told them about and then and that's when Donatello was taken to an actual room. And we actually see uh, Mrs. Mayflower uh, earlier on in the episode. Yeah, what's she doing minutes. early on? So, um, Ethel Rita, who is a character that I haven't really talked about. Is... I actually, let's talk about Ethel Rita right now. Um, I'm going to say Rita because that's, I've just seen how her name is spelled. Mm-hmm. The narration is done by her, right? Right, yeah. And she's a 16-year-old free-spirited girl um, played by Emery Crutchfield. Uh, and it just reminded me because that Netflix uh, Nola Holmes movie just right, came yeah. out. 
and it's got the same age type of girl, free spirited. Um, they're two extremely different genres. Yeah. yeah. Are, were they both effective? Like, or was this effective? <laughs> I mean, it's, I you really can't compare this to Ethel Holmes because it was effective. I just found it funny that yeah. the, their characters were almost the same. Yeah, I know. But Ethel Rita, like, she gets kind of beaten by the principal a lot because ah, that's right. I forgot about that. Yeah, this takes place in the 1950s, and there's also racial discrimination going on. Extremely so. much. She's she's an interracial child, right? Like, right. Her yeah. mom is her mom is African American, and then her uh, dad is uh, white. And they work at a funeral home, if I read right. Right. Exactly. And that's where Ethelita meets um, Mrs. Mayflower because, like, she's basically talking to her, and it turns out that Mrs. Mayflower is kind of like a little bit racist. Like, we start to see that going on through her dialogue. Yeah, she's she's not trying to be, but like, even the dad has to come up and kind of like save the conversation and like help Ethelita uh, through. So, what or what's the connection between um, Ethelrida's like family and the canons or the? Um, the Fadas. We don't actually know because that because the canons show up at Ethelreda's home one night and they are speaking to the mom character and Ethelreda's like, what's going on? And the mom is very, very silent about it. And even later on in the episode, when she asks her mom why they were showing up, it becomes a big part of the episode. The mom just does not answer. And she's like, we don't have to tell you because even your dad and I deserve some privacy. So it's kind of this secret that we uh, are left So she could out. be related to them or they could have a debt to the canons. It could be, yeah, it could be anything. And even later on, the dad explains to Ethelreda that they're like short on money. So, oh, okay. So yeah, it could definitely be a debt because mm-hmm. doesn't later on the Cannon family have some sort of deal with uh, credit cards? Yeah. The weird thing is, is that like, because this is supposed to be factually accurate, it starts yeah. off, you know, and, with the whole entire. Actually, credit cards were around back then. Right, but um, I was wondering if Lloyd Cannon was actually the creator of credit cards because they do go to the third biggest <laughs> bank company and they're like, we have this great idea. And they basically explain what a credit card is, but then the person who they're pitching it to is like, no, like that's a dream. Well, I don't know if you saw the beginning of any episode of Fargo, but everything in it is 100% accurate. <laughs> Nothing has changed. So, yeah, it's definitely, he's he's definitely the inventor yeah, yeah, of credit cards. Yeah, sure. Just I, take it to the bank. It's At that point, you, you know it's all right. I know the movie said that it was, like, somewhat true, too. So I know that, like... 100% yeah. true. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, as we mentioned, this is an anthology series, so there's not too many reasons to go back into the previous ones, uh, especially since you haven't seen them. I won't ruin too much. Uh, the movie, which you did see, came out in 1996, and it was based in 1987, Fargo, North Dakota. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also had some Minnesota in it. Um, season one came out in 2014. It was set in 2006, Bemidji, Minnesota. So they started drifting away from Fargo right off the bat, though they did mention it in that season. Season two, uh, that was the Patrick Wilson season, uh, came out in uh, 2015, I think, and it took place in 1979. So that was our first giant leap back. Uh, okay. Just the upper Midwest is where it took place. Then we got season three, which took place in 2010, still in Minnesota at this point. Season four, there's kind of a big shift here because where we were looking at kind of small country town vibes, which were filmed in Calgary, Canada to simulate that, Mm -hmm. we're now in Kansas City, Missouri in the 1950s. And that's a big place, even for then, because it was a hot spot for crime. It was a mob place. So that that thing is all true. Yeah, and we saw like a lot of wide shots showing like the land and stuff. Yeah, the so. shots are the the cinematography has always been yeah, it's lauded really as good. great. Yeah. Um, they shot it mostly in Chicago because of that. They had to change settings. They wanted to make it huh. look more like a big town. But with this new backdrop, this is where I was going to ask you if it still felt like a Fargo movie. And you're saying it didn't really. Like this could have been a show with a different title, and you wouldn't have been, you wouldn't 
wouldn't have been like oh a, yeah yeah this definitely could have been a show with a different title and i wouldn't have been able to tell but i guess that's almost kind of the point of it a little bit so you liked it overall yeah definitely as all the shows i've done i think that this would definitely be number one okay that's 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 a good high praise. Um, besides Irish Italian crime, like that of gangs in New York and Miller's Crossing, like organized crime and black gangs have mm-hmm. also existed in uh, media. Like we've got The Wire, obviously. Yeah. Boardwalk Empire had uh, an African American gang, I think, for a season. Mm-hmm. There's Gangs of London, which just came out. Yeah, I remember that. I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, how does that compare to this? And how do you think that Lloyd Cannon? as a character compares with those type of shows well I'll, I'll compare it to gangs of london by saying that gangs of london is definitely a lot more brutal but like it's even more... though they started off this series with just killing off a bunch well of yeah guys. but gangs of london, london starts off with some saying someone on fire and there's nothing like that brutal that happens really in this episode oh, but okay. the, the violence does kind of play a factor like it did remind me of that a little bit and uh yeah yeah between the, then we'll just switch over to between the fart scene, the credit card scene, and the doctor not admitting scene that we've talked about. Mm-hmm. Which was your favorite? Probably the doctor scene. And that was because it was the most. It was it was a little bit shocking, but it was also just like she did a really good job. Like I really liked it when she was on screen. Her acting was done. Oh, so well. I didn't know. I meant when they were turning them away from admitting them. But you're talking oh, about Mayfield scene sorry, when yeah, she murdered. I, I was talking about Mayflower scene. Yeah. Yeah, and Mayflower. Sorry, Mayfield Mayflower. Um, was the racism for the Italians and the Irish really believable? Because we live in an age, obviously, where it's all about Black Lives Matter mm-hmm. and there are movements for marginalized communities. However, you don't really think. Of the Italians and Irish as marginalized anymore, and as you see, these two crime syndicates made up made up of both marginalized. Yeah, it was a, that was actually like kind of. I mean, it was cool to see because it was like you don't really get like representation of those two characters, especially when they're like fighting each other in like most TV shows. Yeah, but most people don't think of 1950 as that time where like Italians and Irish had difficulty in America. They think more earlier in the 21st century. In fact, there was a Slate article that just came out. Um, that was discussing this like how bad was anti-italian racism in the 1950s uh, because of the show yeah I, well i mean in terms of realism it worked but i did like it, it could definitely be off in terms of the time era yeah the person didn't outright come out and say no 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 this didn't exist she wrote this book called unwanted italian and jewish mobilization against restrictive immigration laws 1882 to 1965 wow, that's a long title <laughs> yeah but i mean it's thorough yeah. um and basically she said that World War II played a giant role in kind of restructuring the way in which our economy ran and how racist it was towards certain groups of people because the GI Bill actually allowed a lot of Catholic Italians and a lot of the reason that they were being discriminated against was because they were Catholic to kind of escape the poverty level and join into middle class, which kind of eliminated that whole like stereotype that they were just dirt poor and bad people. Unfortunately, and race racistly um african americans weren't allowed to uh get the benefit from the gi bill yeah something that till today haunts america but there was still some remnant of that anti-stereotype uh that came down on like the senate floor later on in the 50s but not nearly to the extent where people weren't allowed into like restaurants or it was yeah, like right. no italians in restaurants or something like that so i do know that the cannon family tries to reach out to the fada family saying hey we're both 
looked at as lower class here. Yeah, and and like even Chris Rock pulls out a knife and then like kind of slices his hand and then like slices the or and then the other guy like squeezes a knife and so it's more like a blood like agreement when they shake blood hands. Pact. When before it was just both people spaying on hands and then uh, shaking them. And then they got a but they both get a bloodborne illness like uh, what's that Drath, <laughs> Drothraki guy in Game of Thrones? Yeah, no. And then they die. <laughs> yeah, that's the end of the story. No, um. So I assume that the Rabbi Milligan character gets probably the most thorough backstory of any of them. Yeah, because um, you start off with them. So yeah. Yeah, I, was he played by three different actors or? Yeah, he was played by three different actors. Okay, and I know the main guy who plays him, Ben Wishaw. Or yeah, I don't know how to say his name. Wishaw. Okay, uh, he's Q from James Bond, but more importantly, he's an English actor. Who's now doing an accent, I assume. Yeah, he did, which is why here. Of not only an American actor, but like an American Irish actor. Yeah. Who's trying to cover up the fact that he also lived with a bunch of Jews for a while and then jumps over to. Yeah, it's, it's just <laughs> it's craziness. Like, yeah, yeah, now he's Italian. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wonder what he said when he got that script and he was like, I can really go crazy <laughs> with this one. I can do whatever I want as long as I stay consistent. Yeah, so you liked his character. Yeah. Okay, and then it's interesting because he plays a character named Rabbi Milligan, as we've Mm -hmm. talked about. Fans will be familiar with the name Milligan because the antagonist from season two, very like the uh, sophisticated assassin, uh, Mike Milligan, played by Bokeem Woodbine, um, he has the same name. He's African-American, though. Uh, Mike Milligan. Oh, okay. So people are trying to draw a connection between them because... Noah Hawley literally said that there's it's no coincidence that Ben Wishaw's character is named Milligan. Oh, well then, yeah, obviously there's a connection there. Yeah, but is he adopted? Like, is there an adoption that happens from the 1950s to 1979? Or is there a relationship that's, like, Maybe that it, could, it could be, like, kind of a parallel between this season and that season with, like, a mixed relationship, possibly, or something. They're, they're both involved in gang violence and stuff like that, but it's the gangs aren't connected right now like there's no easy way right. of saying it one's in kansas city so it's definitely one of the mysteries that they highlight at the start of this whole thing yeah, and that they, they expect you to look for and there's a lot of mysteries like at by the very end of the episode we see that ethel rita is seeing mrs mayflower go into her apartment building and then that's when the dad comes out and speaks to her and as they both go inside we Which saw dad? the dad of ethel rita um, we see them both go inside, and we see Mrs. Mayflower is staring at them, and that's where it cuts to black in the episode. Is ends. she looking at them threateningly, or is she like, because she just murdered the guy, right? The father. Yeah, it, it's supposed to be threatening. She's looking at them through the window. All right, and you said you like Jason Schwartzman's uh, portrayal Derrick, because yeah. he was kind of like a weenie, like I'm better than everyone. Yeah, he kind of was playing himself from like other movies. Also, he's just playing himself. In yeah. Real life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, uh, but yeah, so he's good. The guy who's going to take over, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's going to be him versus Lloyd Cannon and the rabbi guy who is on the Fada side, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So which side do you think has the upper edge? Which side is smarter? Uh, smarter, I would say it would be the Fada storyline, but I think that uh, even with Schwartzman as the lead, because I I was reading how like people did found his character like not as like I think crafty. that people around him are smarter, but I think that Lloyd Cannon like is going to win. Oh, okay. Yeah. He's, he had also a cool intro scene where he, like, speaks with the Fada family, and then it's just him, and then even the main Fada guy is like, did you come alone? And then he whistles, and a ton of people just come out of nowhere. And so, back yeah. In. so, yeah. Negan. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> All right. Yeah, unlike the first uh, the first three seasons, right, uh, this fourth season has had some divided reception. Um, it has a 52% audience wow. score okay. on 
uh, Rotten Tomatoes. That's not the critical score. That's higher. Um, And then it's pretty low on Metacritic as well. The critical reviews have been, as I just said, more positive. And like Lovecraft County, country, sorry, uh, every big outlet seems to have a big opinion about it. Yeah, I I mean... Like New York Times, Variety, like all these things come out with these positive statements about the show. And you're like, okay, this is going to be great. And then I looked at like some of the IMDb scores and they're they're a little bit lower than the previous seasons. Maybe it's one of those things where if you see the first three seasons and kind of get used to a way in which the episodes are done, you like look at this and maybe think to yourself, oh, this is too different. But for someone who's just watching the first episode of this, I I found it fine. Yeah, I'm just going to go through what I read because there was sort of a split between fans and one side of them said this is still Fargo. It's got complex characters with eccentric personalities. There's the regional accents that you know and love. You have stunning cinematic cinematography. And then you have this all frolicking in a situational black comedy absurdity. And also, may I say that with Noah Crawley um, like directing, you definitely get Legion editing vibes because they like show a ton of different. Yeah, like, but you can see the and... negative of a Legion editing vibe when oh, you yeah. look at Louis, Lucy in the Sky. Like that's the epitome of taking it too far. Yeah, because if you remember, there were just so many shots where scenes it was in which they like, expanded be the camera, and yeah. Well, there were like cuts in the middle, and then there was like just like okay, we're gonna do a really artsy shot. Yeah, here. but it wasn't anything like that in uh, Fargo. Okay, um, the other side of the audience, the one that's more negative, says this isn't Fargo. This is another period piece. This is an overplotted, overly political, grandstanding period piece that drifts too far away from the original premise. I could see how people would think it'd be overly political. Yeah, I read some people who were saying because of the topics of today that it felt like politics was being jammed down their throat. Yeah. And with all the other shows that we have tackling similar race values like Watchmen and, uh, and Lovecraft Country, you can see where specifically since this isn't meant to originally come from that point of view, that, that like having that, yeah. it included in this season uh, feels like it was forced. Yeah. That said, I don't think that that was the intention of Noah Hawley at all. In fact, like if you look at the Coen brothers' works in general, Noah Hawley has said, like, because of their, they were raised Jewish and they are Jewish, like, it's reflected in everything they've done. And so I find it impossible for today's world to exist and for that not to be reflected in some way in what we're watching. Yeah. Yeah. And they're and, obviously going to, like, put things like that in. And oh. you've always had these morally centered figures in the show. Up until now, they've always been kind of cops. Okay. <laughs> but now it's um, Ethel Rida, I'd assume, is kind yeah. of the most uh, innocent of all the characters yeah. that's introduced. Speaking of characters that are introduced, though, I was wondering, because there are so many weird and wonky names that get placed <laughs> yeah. in these type of things, I was wondering if you could uh, identify how closely you were listening to the names that popped up. Mm. Because I'm going to say two fake ones and two real ones, I'll, and you're going to have to guess which ones are real and yeah, fake. Before we do this, I'll just say, like, some of the names weren't even said, but they would, like, kind of go on top of the person's, like, uh, character, like, the... Yeah, like, they would be written across Yeah, them. right. Uh-huh. Yeah, I saw that in some sort of ad or GIF. <laughs> um, was there a character named Banjo Rightway? Yes, there was. I wrote him down, yeah. Oh, damn it. Okay, <laughs> good job. Was there a character named Dr. Senator? Yes. They, they, they refer to him by name. Okay, I don't want to do the last two because, yes, <laughs> you've gotten both of them so far. I didn't know how, like, yeah, clearly no. they would make these guys. Yeah, the, All right, the next two were going to be Dr. Shrimp Puerto Rico and Violence Buckley. No, I felt yeah. like Violence <laughs> Buckley had a shot. There because, was a chance, yeah. Yeah. Um, but, well, I, yeah. I do want to say one more thing. One thing I also found cool about the first 20 minutes is that they upgraded the cameras. So since it was the 1900s, you kind of got, like, 
a little bit of a fuzzy camera and then like as it chronologically went onward and onward it kind of turned clear which is another thing that i liked about it yeah i had a sneaky suspicion that you would like this but i don't want to play too pessimistic but if you had seen the first three seasons i saw season two and that or i've seen all three but season two i think was incredible and i just wonder if you had seen that one i wonder that as well because the only scene that i had seen from uh fargo tv show is the season one scene in which like the shooter kind of goes into the building and you don't see anything but you hear everything else the, the one with Keanu. Keanu. yeah yeah because that was a funny yeah. shot, yeah. I think you did actually see Mike Milligan, because I think I showed you a clip a long time ago of uh, his character having an interaction with Ted Danson. Oh, yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah he's Mike Milligan, the one that they oh, think is going right, to be right, related yeah. to uh, Rabbi somehow. Right, okay, yeah. Yeah. Well, I think we've definitely covered a lot of what went down in the episode. We didn't give, like, a shot-by-shot, because you've probably seen it. And it's an hour long, so, yeah. Yeah, that would be... Well, we're th- halfway through it. We could... Go right now. Oh, let's just go. finish yeah, let's in just an hour and a half. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, that's where we'll leave it for today. And thank you for joining us on today's episode. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.